You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Industry Thought Leader Podcast. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to influence real change with your message while become known as an authority in your field? Industry Thought Leader Podcast will show you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before we dive into today's show, just a heads up on what it is and why I'm introducing it to you. It's a replay of an industry thought leader masterclass that I did with Holly Hoadley not so long ago where she is an expert, a thought leader herself in how to get bums on seats for in-person events as well as for virtual events. So she really pulls it apart from pre-event current events running and even post event too. She shares it all. It is a deep dive into that and it's well over an hour. Why am I sharing this with you? Well, one of the greatest ways to build your thought leadership is to get a community around you, both virtually and if you want to in person and share your knowledge that way. However, one of the things that I often hear, and I've even experienced it myself, is getting bums on seats is a whole other business in and of itself and a lot of challenges. So if you are thinking of running virtual events, if you're thinking of running in-person events, then this show is for you. Now onto today's show. Now, by the way, if you want to become involved in the next masterclass that we run and we're doing them once a month, go ahead and join our community of change makers and thought leaders. To do that, go to www.podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash change makers. That's www.podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash change makers. I'll see you in the community. You're watching another Industry Thought Leader Masterclass, brought to you by Industry Thought Leader Academy. Welcome. Now, on to the class. And welcome back. If this is the first time that you are joining us, you are in for a treat. Every month, we are going to talk to a guest expert, a thought leader in their industry. And today, we have someone who knows everything there is to know about filling your virtual event. So just to give you a recap on what we're going to cover today, there is a lot of content. It's very much hands-on how to do things, creating your marketing checklist. So pre-event, during the event and post-event, how to spread awareness through everyone involved, which includes the vendors, the sponsors, attendees, where to post and advertise, choosing the best platform to host your RSVPs, incentives for early birds and all of that good stuff. And of course, this masterclass is brought to you by Industry Thought Leader Academy. Welcome. Good, good. You may have cut out again. (laughs) Here and we can see you. So share a little bit about how you got into um, really specializing in getting virtual bums on virtual seats. So yes, I have. I was an EA, an executive assistant, for many years. Um, once I was sort of let go from that position, <laughs> um, I had to open up my own company, which I focused on marketing specifically. 
So my background is everything from working at events, uh, management, as well as marketing events and bigger and better things as well. So when it comes to the events itself, uh, I got into it because of the marketing avenue of our business and the background that I've had in the industry. of people who have registered and they are there now. We have the ability to be able to ask questions as we dive through. As I see them, I'll integrate them within um, the actual live here so Holly can, can certainly address them. Um, and there may be also some opportunities at the end of today's masterclass to get your questions answered as well. So let's dive in. When we're thinking about creating a virtual event, we're, we're talking about a summit, a tally summit, webinar, masterclass like we're doing today, anything that is an event where we're sharing a topic and rather than being in person, it's very much online. Yes, is that that's correct, isn't it? Correct. So there is there's very similar stuff that we can do in person events as we can with online. There's a lot of similarities, but they'll definitely have some differences. Yes, fantastic. As well as paid events and free events too. Yeah, okay. Um, it told, it's, it's a little bit of a different ballgame. Okay. So what we'll do then, uh, I mean, some people might be listening to and watching and even the recording that may be thinking about doing some free events as a way to perhaps launch into a paid program. And some may also be, you know, charging for attendance to that event. So if you're talking about something, Holly, as we're going through, maybe you might want to just, and if it's a paid event, these are a couple of things that you need to consider as well. And of course, at the end of this masterclass, what we do with all of the masterclasses is we'll give your details on how you can connect with Holly because I know that this is what you do for for many of your clients to, as well so everything that we're talking about today you also do for your clients hey Mark nice to that you are joining us today so creating your marketing checklist pre-event during event and post event I think this is all about the planning isn't it what are some things that we need to consider let's look at pre-event so pre-event you'd want to come up with your overall event strategy in general so is your event worth attending? That's a great question maybe that you might want to ask some people to get some feedback. Uh, what type of problem are you solving? Decide if it's going to be a paid event or a free event. Uh, decide if you have an ad budget. Are you going to spend some money on uh, Facebook ads or Google ads, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all that? Or are you going to go the grassroots way and just go and, and do all the other things that we're going to talk about as well? Have you created a hashtag for the event? Um, even deciding what platform that you'll host the event on, similar to what Anne-Marie has just done. So we either gonna host it on, if it's a virtual event, gonna host it on all types of different platforms, or you can just choose one like Zoom or even the one that we're on right now, StreamYard. Uh, Facebook could be Facebook. Kind of just have to de decide which one you're going to, to do. So you'd wanna create a checklist slash uh, plan around who's coming, your target audience, is your, worth, is your event worth attending, what problem you're solving, decide if you have the AV budget or if you're gonna go grassroots style, um, decide a list of strategic partners that you have that you'd like them to also help um, market for you and a hashtag for your event. So, so who do you know, who is this for and uh, how are you going to market it? Yeah, great. Um, one of the things that I think we often also um, I guess consider uh, what 
timing do we need to um, to be able to have that in place? Is it um, one month? Is it three weeks? What sort of timing should we start thinking about our pre-event checklists, which you've just listed for us? I would think at least a month in advance, right. especially if it's a paid event, you're going to be doing early bird uh, discounts mm-hmm. um, and working with strategic partners. You're going to need at least a month to, to plan that all out and to get your marketing going. So yeah. Ideally, when you're planning out your marketing and your business strategy for the year, which everybody obviously has done that, right? Um, one of the things that I would include in there is, you know, how many events are you going to have? What's the impact of these, these events? Are you going to use it as a lead generation? Are you going to use it for um, to sell a course? Is it, you know, what are you using these events for, whether it's a webinar paid or free? Um, are using the paid versions of these online events to make quick cash Mm -hmm. uh, or are you going to use them as lead gen in the future? So if you want to just decide that, then you start mapping it all out throughout your year. So Mm -hmm. if you want to do one a month, fantastic. You got to pre-plan that though last year. So if you're going to start doing some events this month, it'd be great to have it planned out before, like for a March event, basically starting now. Yeah, I think especially too, if you're going to go for a program launch in the, in the aspect of this particular masterclass, I'm just running them because I love to hang out with experts such as you, because this is my version of reading, um, sharing great content on the platform. And of course, the call to action and the sponsorship is really where we're looking to, to leverage and build awareness a, a, around that. Very important. And I guess, you know, as entrepreneurs, we also have team involved. And so the planning and some of the things that may continue to run may not necessarily need to be done by you we can get someone that's on our team who knows when you need to set up the registration page and all that kind of stuff but I think strategy and planning what you just mentioned would you say that often the success of an event of a virtual event really depends on the amount of time and strategy that you put into the planning because if that's not right other things in place are just not going to have the impact that you would have hoped would you say that's to be true Yes, absolutely. I think the strategy in the first place has to be there. What's your ROI? What's your call to action? What are you doing it for? How are you helping people in general? Mm -hmm. And if you make it a really good, you know, uh, really good call to action, a really good event that has maybe speakers or has, if you're doing a webinar, it has really great content, it's got to be able to impact people. So the longer you have to plan that out and the strategy behind it, the better the event's going to be especially if you have user uh, input. Yeah. So if you all of a sudden come up with 10 events that you want to hold for the rest of the year, it might be a really good idea to ask people, you know, to do a survey or to ask people if these are good enough um, topics or even the event, the way it's organized, if they would attend, if they would pay, if they would want to do it for free and what they would expect to get out of it. So user, user input is invaluable to really know if it's going to work or not. But the more you plan it, the better it has to be. Yeah, for sure. I know we're going to talk about um, shortly the best platform to host your RSVPs. This was something that I certainly learned from you when you mentioned Eventbrite. I would have never have thought about having registrations like like that. But this is all around marketing because I know this particular event platform also allows you to share um, snippets around the place, you know, across the various platforms to be able to do that. And of course, unless you plan that ahead of time, you're not going to be able to leverage 
manage um, the best out of the platforms that you might be selecting. So we've had a look at the, some of the pre-event. What are some of the things that we need to do during the event to make it a great experience, but also, um, you know, the bums on seats, ensure that they actually attend? So to guarantee 100% that everyone's going to come to a free event is, to me, not a thing. <laughs> it's not attainable. It's not achievable. Yeah. Everyone that signs up for free events, if, if you have 100 people signing up for a free event, guaranteed 30 is going to come. Don't guarantee 100 is going to come, for sure. So you have to make sure that it's a, a really well-thought-out event. The title's clear. What you're going to get out of it is very clear you know, your call to actions and, and all of that. Um, but once you start, once you get that plan in place to get people to come, you have to leverage a lot of different tactics. Mm -hmm. And um, I had sent Air Marie a checklist that we can maybe share as well. Um, but really when it comes down to it, you wanna hit your current network, your database, your strategic partners, when you choose what platform you're going to hold your RSVPs on, similar, we, we, we love to use Eventbrite, which is what she mentioned as well. There's also, you know, Facebook events that you can, that you can leverage if it's a free event. So people can RSVP there. Once you start posting within Facebook, uh, the actual event itself, then people get notifications. So you don't have to rely on your Facebook page to mm -hmm. really give them that notifications because of the algorithm of Facebook, how it's making it much more difficult for people to see your posts anyway. Nice. But if you create a Facebook event page, then you're guaranteed that people that are going to be on Facebook that have RSVP'd or said they're interested or going to your event, they're going to get the notifications when you post in there in the discussion. So, yeah. you know, yeah. deciding what platform you're gonna take those RSVPs, if it's a cash, if you have to take money, it might be an e-commerce um, play that you might have to do on your website instead. You may have to do um, something like Eventbrite where that's taking a small percentage away from you to, to have that, that money transfer within. Um, but yeah, once you decide what platform you're gonna use, you're going to market the heck out of it. Yeah. So just lots of different ways. I've just put a comment up there. I've left that up there because I think that's a great idea. Mark Jarrett, all the way, dialing in all the way from the UK, um, has said virtual raffles. This is a great opportunity. In fact, I was just attending Amari Smith's webinar on the latest things on, on Facebook. And one of the things that I noticed that she did really well was her team um, was monitoring the comments. So what she said, she encouraged people to, to ask questions and share comments. And one of the best ones was selected and they would win um, a package, you know, a stand and a light and all that kind of stuff. So if it's relevant to your audience, that's going to attract them because they want it to be uh, eligible in, in the running for, a, you know, that gift or that prize that you're going it. to share. Yeah, yeah. So one of the one thing that I heard many years ago from one of my mentors when it comes to filling in-person events, um, it's not just market one way to fill 50 seats but 50 ways to fill one seat. So I think that's kind of what you're saying. 
any way that you can get, um, you know, to a reminder to people about that this is coming up or that it's on really needs to um, to to be done. And in, in actual fact, I'd registered for the Mari Smith event, and I'd completely got the times mixed. And I happened to be me messaging someone on Instagram. She said, "Oh, I'm on a webinar." I go, "Oh, is that on now?" So you know, and I knew Mari had that messenger reminder, but I hadn't kind of clicked on that. But that's the kind of thing that you're saying. I mean, people register with the full intention of coming, but if it's different time zones, which we assume it's going to be because of the fact that virtual allows participation from, you know, global participants, don't assume that they've put it in their calendar or like me, they've put it in their calendar and they get the time next. What are some other things that you see have worked really well, maybe for some of your clients in um, getting people to actually arrive and, and, and participate? So the biggest thing for us is to get people, um, so if you're running the event, if you're hosting the event, and especially if it's a paid event, to offer incentives around early bird pricing as well as uh, utilizing your strategic partners. So utilizing strategic partners to me is you could give them a coupon code, you can uh, offer them some sort of tracking referral that if they do sell seats, they get a free ticket or they end up getting uh, something you know, at a discount or maybe they can give away two free tickets to the event. So utilizing the people that you already trust and that trust you are the, to me the best way to market anything, whether it's a product, a service, an event, anything at all. The more people can trust you and the more that they see the value, the more that they're going to tell their friends and the people in their, in their um, circles. So if you have the early bird discount, you tell everybody about this early bird discount. Social media, you want to get all your strategic partners, send it through Eventbrite, you know, your email newsletters. You want to blast it out to the world. Mm -hmm. And I know what you're saying about that time difference thing too, because I am a I'm actually horrible at understanding Simon time zones. Uh, contributed. Consider international time zones. Absolutely. I think UK and Australia time zones are, are, are the worst. I think, I don't know if one of the UK, what time is it where you are? I think it's evening, you know, morning or even quite late, but um, somehow find a, a balance. Something that I've seen work really well and, and you know, because it's all about creating a, a really good streamlined, easy user in, interface, so user experience that maybe have a calendar on the landing page or some sort of a, you know, maybe even an email to allow people to know what time it is in their time zone and not assume that everyone can go to timeanddate.com, say perhaps, but make it as e easy for them to understand what time zone that it is in. I suppose that's something that you consider too, yes? Oh, yeah. So one, actually, I'm glad that Eventbrite actually does this for us automatically. So on your image, it would say 10 a.m. Wednesday, your time. So when I go to register an Eventbrite, it comes up in my time zone and actually enters into my calendar at my time zone. Wow. Well, so it's 11.20 11 11 yeah, it in the UK. So to all the UKers, and I think Luke Murphitt, who is the UK Entrepreneur of the Year, congratulations for that, by the way. And I know Luke was invited by, by Mark. So it's late. So we really appreciate um, the time that you, you're, you're taking to spend with us. We do honour that. So absolutely. So Eventbrite does that as well. Now, you mentioned something about spreading awareness and getting everyone involved. And you mentioned about the vendors and, and also the sponsors. 
how can we um, streamline that for them as well? Can we perhaps pre-create some, you know, verbiage, verbiage you know, like um, a narrative that they can just copy and paste, maybe tweak a little bit to suit their audience? What things have you done uh, or perhaps even recommend to your clients that enables all of those key stakeholders to really get behind and, and help spread that message? So this is my favourite subject on the entire uh, getting bonuses. <laughs> I love doing weird, quirky things to be able to help market anything. So events is no different. For us, what we do is we create a cheat sheet for all the vendors, any businesses involved. If someone is a sponsor, if it's a speaker, if there's a breakout session, anyone that is part of this event, what we want to do is a few different things. So we want to create a cheat sheet for them. The cheat sheet would have everything in it, such as uh, your handles, uh, what hashtag you're going to be using. If there's an image that they can use on their social media, you want to embed it into that. So you want to give it to them as a Word document, ideally, or a Google document, so that they can pull the images out. You can also tweet and put on Facebook and Instagram. So you want to post it on, on these platforms, as well as the Eventbrite, as well as Facebook events. Then you send them all the URLs to those particular posts as well. Mm -hmm. So this cheat sheet should have all of the things that you want them to be able to leverage and to, to help you promote it. You know, one of the things that we were doing was um, Linktree. If you, Emery, do you know what Linktree is? Yes, yes. Okay, so on Linktree, it's uh, it's basically this HTML place that you can use a link, and it's Linktree dot or like slash Creative Solutions, for instance, and then you can use that as a replace of just your website link somewhere. So like on an Instagram bio, for instance. So on your Instagram bio, you'd want to have this new Linktree that gives you multiple call to actions. So now one of the things, one of your call to action boxes could be, uh, 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 let's say, uh, could be for the event itself. It could be for early bird tickets. It yes. could be, you know, share this post or share the event post. And it could go directly to a Facebook post or a Twitter post. Because I know on Instagram, you can't really share the post mm -hmm. that way unless you have an additional app. Uh, but any way that you can make it easy for these guys to help you promote it, the better. Yes. If they want to write a blog about it, power to them. Just send you the link so that you can help market or use the hashtag so you can find it when they post it on social media. Yeah. They want to do a video promotion, anything you can think of to get them involved and excited about it because they're busy, right? Like all these people, the vendors, the sponsors, and the speakers, they're busy. So they probably have like, let's say, 10 events a month you have to make sure you make it easy for them to be able to help you promote it. Yeah, I love that. And, and that's where I think it ties back to something you said earlier about the pre-event planning have a branded hashtag because if that is used in every tweet or if it's a share across the, the various platforms, 
people will be able to find it, but your team will you be able to find it too. So you can reshare that or even I, I see this happening a lot even on stories um, where you take a snapshot of that and um, share that, reshare that. So you're shouting out to the person, you know, your, your sponsor or your stakeholder, you're sharing them and they're getting a bit of that publicity too. So it's kind of the, pub, you know, publicity on the publicity, which is um, fantastic. Now, just here, there's a couple of questions, but here's a comment. Mark says, Calendly also helps for appointment settings and those darn time zones. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Simon Hodgins, and he's, he's calling in from um, or tuning in from um, Periscope, I believe. So Simon says, do you favour paid versus organic promotion for free or paid events, decline in or, you know, organic or algorithms, et cetera? Have you seen any uh, feedback in this area? So I think that paid ads are really good for cold traffic. So with cold traffic, you're going to have to put a little bit more effort, a little bit more work into it to convince them that this is the place that they should go to, whether mm -hmm. it's virtual or in person. So if you can, you, you can do a, a Facebook event page and then you can market that event page through, Google, through Facebook ads, then that way people can RSVP directly onto the Facebook page mm -hmm. or sorry, the Facebook event. But if you're going to go to an external link like Eventbrite or a page on your website, people that you're going to market to through paid ads are brand new. They don't mm -hmm. know you. They don't know anything about you. So it's a little bit of a harder sell. Yeah. Whereas if you go through organic methods, with which is you know using your social media, going through your strategic partners, working with your vendors and your sponsors and everyone like that, it's a better trusted system. So I feel like the people that are going to sign up or RSVP would more likely come to the event rather than someone that's completely cold. So mm -hmm. I, I see benefits to both. I don't necessarily think one's better than the other. It's just different tactics. That's yeah. all. And I think in, in and thanks for that question, Simon, that was a great yeah. question. And I think today and well, any, it's been always been and will continue to be in the future as a business who's um, trying to, you know, get as many bums on seats and, and in this case, virtual seats, um, we have to try out these things and we have to tweak them. And most importantly, we have to monitor them and see, can we improve? Can we do something better? One of the things that I'm in the process of doing at the moment, we're doing our five-day free intensive profitable podcast podcasting and um, after attending Mari's um, webinar today what we're going to do Holly is with our Facebook ads getting getting them straight into messenger so when they click the button they're instantly in our messenger here's the link to download the workbook here's the link where we're going to go live every day for the five days so that people don't have to click outside Hmm, consider because that's one click then another click with their details and then they're in this is just click and they're in so that's what you're saying. Try different things and um, see which is best. And Simon says, thank you. So thanks, Holly, for that. Okay, so we're talking about spreading awareness. Are there any other things? What's the most wackiest, fun thing that you've done, maybe for yourself, for your events, or maybe for a client that really generated some awesome results, maybe surprising even? <laughs> um, some of the things that we've tried that uh, kind of took that next level up was going to meetup groups and not us going to them. Sorry, I should re rephrase that. We approached the organizers of meetup groups and Facebook groups, and we asked them if they'd be interested in sharing this amazing event with their audience. And some of the some of the groups had you know 50,000, 75,000 people in it that were our target audience. 
So when we asked them, they were more than happy to, to do it, especially if we gave them free tickets for themselves. Mm -hmm. very, very happy to promote it. So when we started looking, a lot of our RSVPs or people paid for paid uh, events actually came from meetup groups as well as Facebook wow. uh, and LinkedIn as well. So Facebook and LinkedIn groups yes. were very engaged and very active as, as well as meetups. So if you have a meetup group, you're the, you're the organizer, you want to provide value. Yes. So if you can say, I have a discount or I have uh, this great opportunity, I think we should all do our meetup next month here instead. Mm -hmm. that's, that's amazing to reach all those people at one shot and it's all free. Yeah. Now, did you have, that's great. I'm wondering, and this may be, it, it, it differed, but would you have had already an established relationships with some of those people in the meetup groups or Facebook groups or you just approach them cold? Cold. Yeah. Say hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now the meetup groups, to, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, they are in-person events or are some meetup groups also virtual? So now they're actually, some of them are virtual. Oh. It, it, it depends. So, it, you know, if, if the host would like to hold virtual events and on a monthly basis, then it absolutely can be virtual or in person. Yeah, that's for the introverts because as soon as it's <laughs> finished, it's like gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely. It's <laughs> amazing. I did not know that. What a great idea. Um, and, of course, you know, obviously, as you said, you you gave them free tickets. I mean, obviously, if it's a paid event, that's something that you can do. But if it's a, a free event, you really want to go the, the path of this is great value, which, of course, it will be and it should be. Um, and as you said, you know, some of the meetup groups may be looking for a specific topic because they want to continue to add value to the people in the group. Again, create a script get someone in your team or get your team to do this, reach out to certain groups and uh, approach them. And if it's a no, that, that's fine. Um, here's another connection that you can continue to nurture, but it may very well, as you've said, um, has been a yes. Fantastic. One of the things I love about this and, and, I, and I will share um, that I've done in my team is you don't have to do all of the things all at once. Pick one or two things, do them well, and as you continue to roll, you know, your events over and over, you can integrate uh, more. Let's get into where to post and where to advertise. Where are some of the really hot places that are often people may maybe neglect or haven't even considered? That's a great question. I don't even know if I have an answer for that. Um, some of the places that I would say to share, not necessarily post or advertise, I guess, maybe that's where I, I got a little bit uh, mixed, but some of the places that we highly recommend, especially if it's an in-person local event, mm -hmm. be all of your local online directories. So nice. anything that has an event calendar in Toronto or Canada, we have something like NarCity or BlogTO or Canada.com. There's tons and tons of online directories that have events that need content. Yes. So you'd want to send your event, your link, you know, how to RSVP, an image. You'd want to, sometimes you fill it out and sometimes you send it depending on, on how it's set up. Mm -hmm. Fill out as many as possible. So if it's an in-person thing, absolutely do that. The other thing that you can do for an in-person event or a virtual event would be Google My Business page actually. So on Google My Business page, they used to be a merge between Google Plus and just Google and Google Maps. 
now the Google My Business page is its own thing. And it's actually a really good social media platform that you can post on. So if someone's Googling, searching for local events in their area, and one of your posts come up as a result, it comes from your Google My Business page. So on your Google My Business page, you add an event and it lasts you seven days. Wow. Yeah, it's a really great tool. Yeah, I'm just having a look here at as um, you're talking, I'm Googling Google My Business page. So is, is that something that you would set up um, in your Google profile, you know, on, on Google? Is that kind of set up to that? Yeah, so uh, if you want a business with an address, um, an actual mailing address, not a PO box or anything like that, actual mailing address, you'd yeah. want to claim your Google My Business page. Yes. So Google, they're all available for us. If we have an actual physical address that we can get the postcard mailed to to verify that it's us, mm -hmm. um, you'd want to put your your company name, images. You can do your post. You can do hours of operations, uh, website. You that's where you get all of your Google reviews as well. But it's a great opportunity to be able to market events in your area. Yeah. Um, and then all of those online directories, they're they're just there for you to advertise. Yeah. That's what it's for. Yeah. And, and you know, similarly to what you were mentioning about some of the meetup groups, if you've got, you know, maybe you've, you're already running some in-person events, um, but you also then want to run a virtual event because of the fact that you've got the Google My page, I'd imagine that you could, but maybe just in brackets, put virtual. So that in this instance, of course, um, this would be a virtual one. Something that you, because you sent me a checklist with a lot of these great things that you're talking about today already prior. And one of the things that I, that I saw in there, I'm sure, was Craigslist. Did I, oh. did I say, did you want to share a little bit more about how some of your clients are using Craigslist? So that's one of those sort of free online directories as well. So Kijiji, I don't know if you guys have Kijiji there. No, that, no. So we have, so it's Craigslist and Kijiji is, is pretty much the same here. Uh, so yeah, you'd post your event on there. You'd make it sure that it goes back to your landing page to RSVP. You show the value. You can upload images as well, and it's a it's a it's a space where people search for events. So the really the best places that I see to be able to search for events is Google and Facebook. Mm -hmm. So Google, when you're searching for specific topics or specific events, that's going to come up with all the events in your area that's closer to you. And then it goes out from there based on keyword search. Yes. Um, and then when it comes to Facebook, it actually, if you start typing in you know, events or if you just look at the events tab, it's all the different events that are in your area specifically. So this is goes towards like the more of the in-person stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for events that, that are specific to social media or specific to um, online, you can search that in the events and it'll tell you which ones are coming up. Yeah, fantastic. So yeah. even though you may also set up, as you said, on, on Eventbrite, and we're going to talk about some of those best platforms, Eventbrite also sets something up natively in the platform of Facebook. Because as you've said, when people do click, yes, they want to attend any um, promotional staff or anything leading up, it's really about different stages, isn't it? If you think of that as a customer journey, your attendee journey, you're getting them excited, I want to attend. Then you're reminding them of how good it's going to be. So you're creating this compelling, I need to be there because they're excited about what they're going to learn. And so all of these things really helps you um, 
to do that. I'm just thinking, I don't think Twitter allows you to do any platform uh, on their platform any registration for events or anything like that I think LinkedIn now enables you to do that by setting up different events and inviting people to events if we've got someone who's I know we've got uh, a number of people listening in or watching now from LinkedIn if you've got any suggestions around that, put it in the comments section, then people can go and, and look at that. Um, but that's really certainly another avenue um, to, to do. How often would you say, um, as an event coordinator who's got a group of people who are registering, how often should you be in contact? How much is too much? How much is too little? Is there a balance? I know that's a how long is a piece of string, but you need to remain in front of them to so that they remember that they've signed up and, of course, create that um, enticing factor, yes? Yeah, so um, not to come back to Eventbrite again, but Eventbrite actually does this brilliantly. It does remind you a few days before the event just to give you a heads up. It's also in your calendar because you just click on a button that says add to calendar. Mm -hmm. um, some people might not look at their calendar, but some people might. And then uh, you get a notification a couple hours before. So today, for instance, we got all of us, I believe, that signed up on Eventbrite, got a notification two hours prior saying that your event's coming up in two hours. Get ready for it. Yes. So I would, I would encourage people to, especially if you're an event organizer, the event itself, the platform itself that you're going to choose your RSVPs is pretty much obsolete as soon as the event is over. So... Right. That event itself, so that Facebook event or that that Eventbrite, or if you're using a different system, the list is still there that have attended, but the actual event is dead at that point. So you can't really do much else with it to get new people to come to your new events or the current people to come to your new events through those platforms. So I highly recommend that you get people onto an email database. Yes and also get them to follow you on social media so that you can get them more up to date. So those reminders will go out, especially if you're going to be uh, showcasing yourself on social media as well or an email email newsletter sign up. You can at least remind them that way if you're not going to go with the Eventbrite route. Yeah, fantastic. All really, really um, important. Now, Simon's asked another question here too. So we'll ask this here. Any views on holding a physical event with a virtual element running as well? We see that happening quite often where you might have some streaming aspects of um, of content as, as well. Any any thoughts on, on that? I mean, obviously everything that we've talked about today um, is certainly going to be relevant if you've got an in-person event but you also want to sell some virtual seats. So I love when people have in-person events that have a virtual component. So if you are able to do the in-person, you have the system to be able to record and have good mics and have good lighting and all of that. That's obviously the best case scenario that you're going to be doing. Uh, if you're selling tickets at it, maybe you sell the tickets for virtual at a reduced rate. And maybe it's not live. Maybe it's it's you know it's available to you for the next month if you pay a certain amount, which is half of, of what it is in person, depending on how you want to work that. Um, or you give it depending on if you want to show a lot of people at the event itself. Maybe you give them a discount and then just do the replay afterwards. So one of the most coolest things that we've ever done was held an in-person physical event with a virtual component. But it was a it was a conference, so there was many speakers, 
all these different breakout rooms, breakout sessions. And so what we did was we had a booth set aside, like a, a, an old separate room that was for interviews. So the people that were watching it virtually got to see all of these amazing Q&A with an interviewer with a microphone asking some pretty in-depth questions to the presenters and the speakers that no one in the rooms actually saw. Wow. So the virtual event was much more robust, let's say, than the actual events because you got behind the scenes, you got you know to know the speakers a little deeper, you got to really follow them on social media from, from doing it that way as well. So we can showcase each of the speakers individually and not necessarily the whole, the whole entire conference experience. Yes. It was kind of cool. It was fun. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing. Now, I, I um, speaking about virtual events and also in-person events to answer, um, give a little bit of feedback for Simon too, and I hope that that was great. And I see some questions coming. We're going to get to them. Fantastic. Leave your questions and we'll certainly um, uh, answer them shortly. And Luke is, is there. He said, can you see our messages on LinkedIn? I can now because I've opened up my iPad. Sadly, uh, LinkedIn does not allow the sharing of their API. So I can't bring your comment up, Luke. But if you've got a question for Holly, leave it here and I'm monitor monitoring um, all of the questions. Here we go. Here's Luke's question here. When hosting a webinar like this video, how can you ensure that you see everyone's messages considering that they may be using different platforms like Facebook, LinkedIn, and so on? I can just answer that particular question um, quickly. And then we have another question from Gary who asks about multi streaming. With this platform that we're using for this virtual event, StreamYard, um, I can see all questions coming from um, Twitter, so Periscope and Facebook, um, and we're, we're streaming live to two different Facebook platforms, business page, my business page, and uh, my podcast network, The Ambitious Entrepreneur. So all of the questions are coming up. And so here, let me just show you, here is Simon. He said, great conversation. Thank you. So thank you, Holly, for sharing that. So what I have now is I've got my iPad. Uh, let's see if you can see it here. Here we go here. It's on mute. Otherwise, you can hear the replay of the feedback. And I've got the questions um, coming up. So that allows me to do that. Um, yeah, quickest way to lose people as if they feel like they can't be seen, they may just leave. Absolutely. So that's kind of what we're doing now, isn't it, Holly? Um, we're integrating some questions along the way while still keeping uh, kind of flow that the information needs to be relevant um, for everybody who is participating. But that's what I'm kind of trying to do. So if you see me looking away, that's because I'm checking in on uh, comments that are coming from different directions. And so that's handy when you are a bit of a multitasker, aren't you, isn't it, Holly, where you can kind of see the different platforms. But StreamYard is awesome um, to do that. I'll ju we'll just answer Gary Nuttall. He is from England as well, so I know it's late from, for you. Any thoughts on multi-streaming a virtual event on LinkedIn, Facebook, Zoom, and YouTube? Um, I'll, I'll just answer that quickly, and then we'll turn to you, Holly. I'm using StreamYard. We've been using that for a while now, and that multi-stream to five different platforms um, that's the maximum um, and so it's been fantastic so we're, we're streaming live to LinkedIn YouTube Twitter Periscope and to Facebook um, to Facebook platforms but that's how we're doing that I don't know if you've got any um, comments on that Holly and, and what you do or what you've been or what you're doing and what you've seen being done so you are a trooper for doing all of those. So that's amazing. 
Um, typically, if someone if if someone's trying to hold events, especially if it's a small business owner or someone that just wants to have some some maybe monthly or weekly talk show or Facebook lives, I always say like choose the platform that where your people are. Where are where's your audience live? Do they live on Instagram? Maybe you go Instagram live. If they live on Facebook, maybe you go Facebook live. Maybe it's a combination of two. Before StreamYard, you know, we had to use three or four different of everything in front of you so so that you're talking to all of these different people and all these different things. But it was really, really hard to track comments and mm -hmm. to track questions. It was very difficult. Yeah. So I think go where your people are, unless you're someone like Anne-Marie or someone that wants to broadcast to many, many more people, especially if you have platforms there and you, and you do have an audience there, then, then definitely go this route. Yeah. One of the reasons why uh, we're doing this and it is open. And by the way, Paula, um, she had a, a, a she missed the first 20 minutes because she jumped on a telephone call. This masterclass is going to be left to be accessed so you can watch a replay and fast forward and rewind on the platform that you are watching and, and the platforms that we have said. So, Paula, when we finish, you can go back and uh, catch up on uh, on the topic that, that you missed. And, yes, um, it is an excellent masterclass. Holly has certainly delivered what she promised. Um, but one of the reasons why we're kind of streaming and doing this live and incorporating the chats is exactly what Luke was saying, um, is that you want when people participate, they, they feel that they are part of the conversation. And I think... I think when we're um, considering now, uh, you know, people are, are on their devices, if they can attend and feel like they're participating and their comments are, are validated, maybe you're not actually putting up the comment on, on the screen like I've been doing, but at least acknowledging that. I think, and if you, you create a culture that you are known for doing that at your events, that is going to prompt participation in future events too, isn't it, Holly? Absolutely. The more people that like you and like the way that you run things and want to hear what you have to say, the bigger your audience is going to get because they're yes. just going to tell their friends, they're going to tell other people how much value they got out of out of even talking with you. It just it becomes a ripple effect at that point. Yeah, fantastic. Just um, speaking about different platforms, this this relates um, well to this. Uh, Mark asks, has Holly used remote? She has. And and so a shout out to Hoyen all the way from Singapore. He's I don't think he's on the call, but I know Mark that you are an avid user of Remo. Holly and I met uh, at Remo, and by the way, this is a really good opportunity to give a shout out to Keith Keith Keller, who actually introduced me to Holly, introduced me to Mark. So this would not have happened um, unless um, yeah Keith were were the central party for, for and so Remo Remo really is a platform that allows virtual events. You can have hundreds of people attending these events. You can you know you can have a webinar. You can then and I love this about Remo. You can then do networking across different tables, all that kind of thing. So that's a really great resource to, to check out as well. But, of course, that's more private. What we're doing now is we're, uh, you know, sharing this live across different, you know, streamed um, platforms. But, again, it goes back to what uh, Holly was saying earlier. What is your strategy? What is the purpose of your event and what platform best suits, you know, delivers functionality, that kind of thing. Now, those are all things that you need to, to consider. If it's a paid event, obviously you're not going to stream it live, are you? 
you're going to keep that behind um, closed doors. So we've spoken a lot uh, about pre-event and then and then during the event. You've already hinted about some of the things that you could do post-event, um, particularly if you are going to, um, you know, want to capture emails and then get them onto your database. What are some things that we can consider to ensure that we can continue the relationship with the people who have now just attended the event, Holly? Yeah, so they're a great way to be able to connect with all those people on a continuous basis is to uh, connect with them on social media. I, I'm, I'm a social media geek at this point. Um, so for me, I want to be able to make friends with everybody. I want everyone to feel like we're, we're friends and to, to feel like we're um, in it together. So on social media, if you have a list of everyone's email addresses, you can always ask them, you know, I'd love to follow you on social media. Can you just send me your handle or follow me here and I'll follow you back? Social media is a social platform. It's meant to be social, not necessarily meant to just be an advertising platform. So if you're going to continue to connect with people, it's either through your email database, you can set up um, quick webinars if you want to invite them all there as, as your friends. But make sure that you have, uh, you know, whatever you're going to do at the end of it, if it's if you're going through the sales funnel of wanting them to buy something at the end, be very transparent about that. Mm. It, there's nothing worse than getting duped at the end where, you know, all of a sudden you, you're, you feel like you're really close with these people and, you know, you're part of this, this journey that everybody else is on. And all of a sudden they try and sell you a $5,000 course and you're like, damn it, I knew it, <laughs> you know. So make sure it's very transparent. What's your what's your ideal goal at the end? And keep in contact with them as genuinely as possible. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, so Luke's got a couple of really good questions around lighting and things like that. We'll get on to those uh, in a moment. We'll just finish what um, Holly has promised to share. Uh, let's talk about best platforms. Of course, we've, you've raved about Eventbrite. What are some other platforms people may want to consider? And then you might want to do a bit of a versus. Eventbrite, why is that an option that you consider and, and you continue to use and recommend? What are some other platforms? Yeah, so um, you can set one up through WordPress as well. So you can have a, an e-commerce platform through WordPress, through WooCommerce. Um, it's just literally purchase, go, done. Uh, Facebook, again, is a great platform, but the only problem is you really don't have the opportunity to get money there. So if you have an Eventbrite page, that's at least, you know, I'm sorry, an event by event, you can at least get funds through there. So to me, honestly, like I might have to write a blog about this to do some more research for it, but it really is our go-to is Eventbrite. So we use Facebook as its own search and we do the Facebook event, but the Eventbrite itself is where we wanna do most of our transactions because if it's an in-person event or if there's a way that you have to scan or to check off a list, Eventbrite actually produces a list for you as well and a QR code scanner. So you can actually, instead of, you know, if you have 15 lines, let's say you can have 15 people scanning these papers or the phone in order to let people in and as proof of proof of payment. Mm -hmm. So to me, I, I still think Eventbrite is, is the best one out there. I'm sure I could find some others to compare, which I actually might now that I think about it. Uh, <laughs> but I still, yeah, I think Eventbrite is really one of the top ones out there. Very well known. They have their own search as well. Mm -hmm. So you can search for events in specific areas. You can search for keywords in Eventbrite and it's all um, 
aggregate it for you. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, when you mentioned Eventbrite, I thought, what a great idea. And I know and Paula is here and, and something that she emailed me and she said about what where are people actually going to, to register or be able to see, um, you know, the, the live from, which, and, and one of the reasons I'm mentioning that is, you know, as an event coordinator, always be mindful of the things that people say so that you can you can integrate that next time. And so, you know, maybe around clarity, are people aware? Are you following up? Um, I wasn't even aware, Holly, because I hadn't really dove quite deep into Eventbrite of the emails that it does send. So whilst we, you know, we updated the landing page and the email that sent out the one or where we're going to be and the times and everything, I didn't even consider add that to the follow-up emails as well, just so that when people get reminders that um, they'll be reminded of all of those um, key things that you need to know about that that event, which is just so very uh, important. So you mentioned already about early birds and, and things like that. I mean, obviously discounts and or, or if you're a bit paying for it, but there may very well be things like, you know, a, a cheat sheet or some resource that you can give people access to that's only available for the next 48 hours. If you register, even if it's a free event, you'll get access to our, our checklist or something like that. So as you say, it's always around coming up with different ideas to really prompt someone to go, yes, I I, I attend isn't it yeah yeah and one of the things that uh we had one of our clients do she really wanted to grow a facebook group and so you every single time that she would host a webinar or some event or even uh, a q a with an expert it would always come back to if you'd come to this event if you attend this online event you'll get private access into our facebook group where this is what you'll get from it so it was a really really nice pitch that she had and it didn't feel like you were being sold to mm. and the Facebook group has a lot of great information in it that you would never necessarily get from from anywhere else you know if you just start googling questions you can ask these experts in this Facebook group tons of questions and everyone is very engaged so if you want to be part of that exclusive club which is what she tried to create you then come to these webinars knowing that you're part of this exclusive club. Yeah. So in that instance, then she would only be going live in that Facebook group and then to get access to that. Uh, that that's really how I would imagine that she would have set that up. So rather than streaming live, if you're wanting to increase your Facebook group, and that is good because I'm just going to go back to refer back to what Mari Smith was saying. Things are going in groups, these niche communities. So, you know, make allow 2020, if you haven't already got something um, in place to start creating a Facebook group where people can, um, you know, have those closed that's closed conversations. Um, Eventbrite is a cracking idea noted. Thank you. That's from Luke. So Luke loves that idea. Um, Holly, just some questions here. Um, just on, on some of the, the lighting, what are the tips there? Anne-Marie's yours looks warm. Holly, yours is whiter. How and which is better? I think that real I mean, I'll share a little bit about our setup. I do have some LED lights. I don't have them turned on. I'm actually facing a window which has a bit of a a covering but you know here in Australia we get four seasons in one day so I might be warm now but then all of a sudden if the clouds come over which can happen here in Melbourne and then thunder and lightning and all of that it can change but do you have a light in your background what, what's your setup? 
So usually during the day, so it's 7 p.m. here, so it's pitch black out. Um, normally during the day, I just, I turn this way in order to face the window and it's usually enough. Sometimes it's a bit bright, so I'll actually close the curtain a bit, but natural light I think is better. Mm -hmm. And then right now, if I didn't have my O-ring light on, my overhead light would have been too harsh and I would have looked like an old lady, mm -hmm. uh, which I didn't want to at the time. So I'm using my ring light. And sometimes what I'll do, depending on if I'm, right now I'm sitting down at a computer, but if I wanted to stand up and be more active and really uh, walk around, I would have a spot in the ring light for my phone if I wanted to do anything live, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, or pre-recorded to then to, to showcase later, like yes. a webinar or something, I, I would use that setup. Yeah. And uh, this is the really great question. So thank you for asking, Luke. I know that you've got um, some other questions, which we'll get to in a moment. But I think for people who are attending today and, and really are looking at getting those bums on seats, I mean, if you're going to use a, as a strategy to, to build your business, but also your visibility, you know, awareness of who you are, and you're thinking of running events, you also need to consider everything that Holly has spoken about. But also, um, when people do attend the event, is it easy for for them to listen, to watch, to participate. And if you find that, um, you know, your background and all of that kind of thing isn't um, the best, that could put people off. Just one of the things with StreamYard that I know, StreamYard's fantastic. Their team of developers and their founders are always upgrading. One of the things that they have just released, and I haven't started using it yet, is the facility to be able to do green screen. So a backdrop. So if I wanted to, um, you know, I would be able to have a backdrop. Obviously, I love interviewing other people. Um, you couldn't do that if you are interviewing other people because, you know, I could be sitting uh, with a backdrop in the Bahamas and then Holly's sitting there in your beautiful office. Um, and so people would think, what's going on there? So, I mean, those are all things that you need to, to certainly um, consider. Um, Luke, here's another question from Luke. What's the biggest viewing that you've had on a podcast or, say, a masterclass what did you do to get that following? What was the title and why was it so successful? Oh, really great questions. And, and I think some of them today you've already answered, Holly, was around knowing who your ideal client is. Who do you want to have a participate in that virtual event? And then knowing who they are and what their struggles are. And, you know, SEO, you know, the title, are people Googling for that? So if you do have an event on on Eventbrite or, or, or you know, on, on Facebook events, that that's going to come up because they're searching for those keywords. Are there some other things that you've seen your clients or maybe your organisation, Holly, has done that enabled a lot of views because of some of these things that, that um, Luke is questioning here? Yeah, it kind of depends on what your goal is, right? So some of these online events are like we talked about they could be a webinar which i think is more of like a pre-recorded you'd want to have a group of people asking questions and be live at the time but then have it recorded so that you can play it later so each of those times that you set up an event for this webinar let's say you could run this webinar every single day of the year technically you don't have to be there you just have to hit it and press plus play and everyone signs up and it plays automatically at that time um, but if you're having an event where people are paying a couple hundred dollars to come see a few different speakers, like a summit or a conference, an online conference, 
they're going to want to get a lot of value out of that. So you may get a lot less people on the actual event if it's a higher price tag or if you don't show the exact value. So yes. it's kind of like a it's a loaded question in a way because it depends on what type of event it is and it mm -hmm. depends on you know how much how many cold people do you want from it what's your end goal what's your end call to action do you want people to sign up for your five thousand dollar course or do you want them just to get the information and then walk away and be like wow that was amazing i'm going to go to the next one so yes. it really depends on what your goal is with it um you know we've had some some people like we we do a lot of in-person events as well like toronto rip fest we had over three hundred thousand people come through based on the way that we marketed it um, but like an online event, for instance, there was one conference that we did that had a thousand people in it that we did the strategic partner route. People did pay money and we gave them coupon codes or discounts and we did a lot of contests as well. So we had to get a lot of cool people because it was a fairly new organization that was doing the event itself. So they really had to hit their market, all their strategic partners markets and go call cold with the um, ads as well. Yeah. yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Just one of the things that um, I'll also share and, and add incredible value, what you've just said there, Holly, around the podcast. If I have a look at the way that we're doing, and we'll call it a live event, but also versus the streaming that I do for the podcast recordings, um, you know, I share that because, you know, we go live. We used to only record privately, you know, audio only, but I stream live now because it, it gives visibility, of course, for myself, the podcast and my guests, but it's just because the platform enables me to do that. How I could improve people coming live is giving them a schedule. Hey, I'm going to go live at this particular time. So in other words, um, Luke, to increase participation, um, in you know, really have a certain time, a certain day, so your audience expects that and can put that in their calendar. However, for for me, um, our you know our times change because it's kind of like the third Sunday or the third Thursday of every month, that kind of thing. So, but if you're going to do these regularly, and and, and you know, please um, add to this if you've seen something work really well. Have a certain time and date so that it's expected. It's something that runs continuously, you know, each month. Would you agree, Holly? Yeah, there, there's a couple different ways that you can run that as well. So the, the same time every single month is is definitely a great way to to market, especially if you're doing a podcast or a Q and A or you know like your master class. Like these things should be consistent because people expect that if you have that really tight following. Yeah. If you're going to the cold audience, mind you, kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, it, it's like a one off. It seems like a one off to them, and it might just be the actual title or the the description of what you're doing in the first place and the content that will rope them in rather than you as the host or you as the expert so it kind of depends on again like what your outcome is of that i want to yeah. go i want to just mention one silly thing that just came to mind out of nowhere um we were talking about being at the event and making people more aware and more engaged yes. one of the things i actually really liked about remo and there used to be another platform I uh, can't remember the name of it right now, but I used to use it like Anchor, Anchor. So oh, Anchor nice. was very uh, integrated into Twitter. So the whole time that we were on Anchor doing any these events, the Twitter was going crazy with the hashtag because everybody was involved. 
Yes. And so for you, for instance, it, like for anyone that's hosting an event, your name is here, Anne-Marie Cross, my name is here, Holly Hobie, and then needcs.com, because I was like, oh, I can actually add a website in here. You could mm -hmm. add a hashtag yes. to this if you want, if, if as, a, as a live event, if we want people to be really engaged and showing, like maybe they're taking screenshots or pictures with their phone, of, mm -hmm. of us talking um, and and Remo was fantastic because everybody's faces was on that group. Yeah. So we were able to take pictures and then post it with the hashtag knowing that this is a hashtag that you want us to use so yes. we can all connect. If all if there's a hundred people on this call right now, I, we don't I don't know who they are, but we could immediately go onto Twitter or Instagram and start using that specific hashtag to start that conversation to mm -hmm. show that we were all at this event and how cool was it and actually start talking. That's actually a great idea. And you know what? I completely missed that because, um, you know, obviously Simon has joined us through Twitter and, and Periscope, so he's there um, from that platform. However, you know, if we had a, had a hashtag and we will for the next masterclass. Yes. Um, <laughs> again next week. And, and in actual fact, I've got two. Um, we've got a business growth. I'll share a little bit more business growth, but Keith's actually joining us next week as well. Um, but we will have a hashtag. So that's right. Follow along if you're on Twitter so that we can monitor the comments. But one of the things that I think we often don't recognize that often the what happens is after the event, isn't it? The event is fantastic, great information, but it's the relationships that is built through that and through the people that have attended and who have commented. And, you know, Mark Jarrett, he is he is the networking guru of networking gurus. Um, and he did a comment. Holly just highlighted one of the major advantages of in-person networking you were talking before absolutely movement of the physical body um, but virtual networking has many advantages as well not at not least um, of the in environment but um, so very important have you got time for a couple of more questions I know that we're four minutes past uh, the top of the hour and I know it's probably getting quite late for for you Holly but um, uh, Luke asks um, backdrop question, would you use a roller banner with branding, contact details, or just the natural home look? Um, let me share and then we'll, we'll go to you, Holly. I think the backdrop is probably, if you're using something like StreamYard, you can add contact details such as what Holly was saying, a hashtag, your name, a website. The, the, the feature here is a lot of different things. You can have rolling banners. For instance, look at this one, um, add a hashtag. Actually, let me just, um, what else? You can create actually a scrolling banner. So um, what's a really good hashtag? Actually, let's, let's do, what's a really good hashtag that I should use for our masterclasses? Let's come oh, up with what you think. Every everybody who's here, write in the comments what you think is a really good hashtag, and um, and I'll show you what what else you can do on this feature. But I think keep it as natural as possible, not too cluttered, because if you provide value, you don't even have to worry about putting any advertising or any contact detail. Your ideal client is going to want to follow you because of the value you give and they will seek you out. Would you agree, Holly? So no need for any real advertising or anything like that. Would you agree? Yeah, as long as it makes it easy for them to be able to connect with you, as long as they know where to go. You know, a lot of people aren't on Twitter any longer. Uh, you know, a lot of people are moving over to Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, that sort of way. Yes. So it depends on where you want them to go. If you want more followers on Instagram, only tell them your Instagram handle. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we haven't got any suggestion. I'm going to think about that because we're going to brand one, but, but watch this. Speaking of um, what you can do. Uh, so I'll talk about the backdrop as well. I, I feel like if it's more natural, like I know I have an owl on my head at the, at this moment. Um, it looks like it's perched and it's fine. And there's like little, rhino over here and go out to eat my shoulder but i feel like it's easier to look around and to really not uh i guess want to look at your phone or want to do other things you want to pay attention because i feel like there's more things to look at instead of just the people speaking whereas if you have the white backdrop with just the brand you're they're focusing on you and it is only you and you have to make sure you're saying some great things so it's not really pushing them off to other things because you know this is an anonymous type of uh, of feel right now so yeah. the more that you can have in the background i think the better but it, that's just my opinion and i yeah. love that scrolling banner i love Isn't it that great so there you go it's a ticker um a ticker if you're watching from the u.s <laughs> <laughs> the real Aussie thing as a ticker. Um, but thank you, Holly. So uh, that that's uh, important. So virtual live, Gary says, virtual live. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Um, thank you for, for sharing. We'll have to think of something, but virtual live masterclass, something like that, I think. Because it's like then master we, your something, master something would be. Yeah, something like that, I think, will certainly um, be good. So, oh, one more comment here from Luke. Luke, you are awesome, actually. All of the people, Mark, um, Gary, I think you're from the, the UK as well. It'd be after, tw after midnight, actually, for them. So awesome. Um, how do we create a hashtag and own and own it and then use it how do we choose one quirky descriptive out name what are some tips that you would say on because this is relative be relevant too you know that hashtag very much could become part of your branding holly what would you suggest yeah it should be your branding actually it should be part of your branding if you're going to have so as your business itself if you have a business you want the hashtag to be short and sweet descriptive of your business has that extra little punch to be able to be memorable as well. So just to give you an idea, we had one client that is an interior designer and they were very edgy, crazy, tattoos, mohawks, everything had to be rough and rumble, right? Tumble, rumble, either one. So- Rumble, tumble. Sure. Um, so what we did was we created a hashtag called inject some edge. So everything it, it sort of like encapsulates what they wanted to say as a tagline but it became a hashtag because it was so short and sweet and perfect to what they what their business is so if you had one for your business itself nice short sweet you want to make sure that you're actually searching to see if this is being used okay i'll tell you why <laughs> you want to search on instagram and on twitter if you mm -hmm. write down a list of 10 different hashtags you're thinking about and do a search hashtag these words in Twitter and in Instagram, if it's being really actively used, avoid it yeah. because they're going to think that you're part of their conversation. So we had one event. It was running for a couple of years. We came on board as you know the marketers for the event. And when we did their hashtag search, we realized that it was extremely inappropriate. Mm. underground things that we did not want to be associated with but they didn't realize they just didn't check so by the time we checked we went 
oh, <laughs> we have a lot of hashtags that are in with now this other group of hashtags that now they think that we're part of this group. So do your research, make sure it's short and sweet. It's very descriptive of what you're trying to accomplish with it. And it, it could be something similar to your tagline. So yes. just keep in mind, what I, what is a hashtag? What do we use it for? Yeah. You know, descriptor, you want it to be your brand and you want it to be searchable. So you want people to know it well enough and to, to, for it to be memorable for them to be able to use it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Love, love that. Something yeah. that um, speaks into that, my program or one of the programs that we run is called Podcasting with Purpose. So we created a hashtag Podcasting with Purpose. Our website is called podcastingwithpurpose.com. And one of the things that I noticed on Instagram now, and it's been happening for a while and it's increasing, people are actually using the Podcasting with Purpose hashtag too now and sharing. And it's, you know, as part of their, their, their um, communications now. Now, I could say, well, don't use that because that's my program name. But I'm thinking every time someone uses that um, and that name's becoming familiar, you know, it associates with, with the program name. Um, also something too, you might you might use it as, as just, you know, emphasising if I write a, um, you know, paragraph about, you know, how to create a podcast, say, I'll, I'll share the, the tip, the insight, and I'll say because that's, hashtag podcasting with purpose for hashtag thought leaders. So it actually becomes part of that sentence. Someone else who I know does this extremely well, and please go and check her out on LinkedIn, is Judy Fox. And she's actually got Judy, G-U-D-I, Judy Fox rocks. And I think now what happens is some people will use that hashtag, Holly, um, and anytime someone searches for that hashtag, particularly on LinkedIn, up comes, you know, Judy. So, um, again, she's using her name. It's short and, you know, short, obviously, Judy Fox, J-U-D-I-F-O-X. Um, but that's done well too. So hopefully, Luke, that's given you some ideas and, of course, people how to come up with a really good hashtag that people it becomes memorable and people start sharing that. And it's also part of the conversation that people can track. But be yeah. mindful that you're not selecting a hashtag which could get you in all sorts of weird, weird and and, and are places that you wouldn't necessarily want to be associated with. That's a really good uh, brand. So Mark just says, and we're going to finish up now, us Brits love you guys, <laughs> which is great. We, we love you too. I think because you're in Canada, aren't you? Which part of uh, Canada are you in, Holly? Um, Ontario. Ontario, yeah. I think the, you know, a bit of the cultures, you know, Aussies and Canadians and the UK, we're kind of similar in certain things. Even the, the humour, you know, how sometimes Brits have a humour, Aussies have that sarcastic humour too. Um, Canadians, I think, do a little bit too. And so if you've got some people in the US, you know, the the, the, the Aussies and the UKs and the Canadians are roaring and the the US people are going, that's a little bit offensive. But anyway. <laughs> I will never get offended with anything, so it's yeah. perfect. <laughs> well, in a global world, I think we've just got to be aware that, you know, um, what's what's appropriate, what's not. Look, Holly, you have just over-delivered. Thank you so much. I'm sure everyone uh, would agree if you're still here live. Um, lots of great information. I know that I've got a lot of tips that we can start to integrate. Paula, thank you so much. Thank you, Anne-Marie and Holly. Yep, fantastic. And yes, Paula, you can go back and, and re-watch everything that uh, you missed at the beginning. Um, Holly, how can people get in contact with you? What's the best way for them to do that? 
So Instagram is probably the best way. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Facebook, but it's Creative Solutions HQ, like headquarters. So Creative Solutions HQ. Fantastic. And of course, you've got their um, need yeah. CS. Dot com too is um, another way. And, of course, you're across all the different platforms too, aren't you, as well? LinkedIn and, and Twitter and uh, all of those places too. Thank you so very much, Holly. It has been an absolute delight. Um, for those of you who are still here or if you're listening and watching the recording later on, we are going to be here next week um, again with some business development um, on the Wednesday, how to really, you know, select solidify that and make 2020 your best year yet. And of course, then on the Thursday of next week, we've got Keith Keller, who will be joining us. And we're going to do some strategic planning, you know, the next 100 days, you know, sometimes as entrepreneurs, we can come up with all sorts of different ideas. But let's put some plans into place. Holly was talking about how important it is to plan and have a strategy before your events. Well, it's important to have a plan, have some sort of a plan to follow uh, for your business to make 2020 the best year yet. All right, that's bye from us. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank Thanks you. again, Holly. Thank you. You've been listening to Industry Thought Leader Podcast, brought to you by Industry Thought Leader Academy. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to stand out, be heard, and become an influential voice in your industry? Access our free five-day money, marketing, and mindset boost masterclass. Go to www.industrythoughtleaderacademy.com forward slash masterclass. That's industrythoughtleaderacademy.com forward slash masterclass.